Hey everyone, this is Mike Crawley, host of You'll Probably Agree. Before I roll this episode, I have a few quick announcements. Uh, This is super exciting. As of today, probably as you're listening to this episode, I was able to cover C2E2 and have my video coverage of it be uploaded on RogerEbert.com. This is like a dream come true. I've worked for uh, Ebert Presents at the Movies in 2011 and just stayed in contact uh, with Jazz Ebert and the family. And it's just been an amazing journey. And to have uh, something that I've made be featured on their website, I'm at a loss of words as to just how spectacularly incredible that is. Uh, (laughs) So if you go to RogerEbert.com or if you go to my YouTube channel at YPA Reviews, you will be able to see... um, my uh, video journal of C2E2, which is Chicago's Comic-Con. So please go check that out. Uh, Second announcement is there's a lot of movies that I wasn't able to see because I was at C2E2 this weekend. I still need to review... um, I almost said Jaws. I still need to review Dumbo. I need to... uh, review us and there was one movie that I did randomly get to see uh, which was called Five Feet Apart that uh, I saw with a fellow critic of mine and uh, I'd love to be able to uh, talk about that film Uh, because I got some emotions on how cheesy it was (laughs) okay well outside of that we're gonna start this episode which was about sports movies. This was something I filmed back uh, last summer during the uh, baseball season. And now with the baseball season starting again, I talked to Chicago comedian Joe Kilgallen, who has two podcasts you should listen to. One, Kilgallen's Pub, and two, Comedians Talking About Baseball. Uh, Joe's just an amazing guy to talk to about this stuff because... He is absolutely obsessed with baseball. He's a Cubs fan and I'm a Sox fan, but it doesn't matter. We both love baseball, so we got to just kind of diverge into our favorite sports movies. And I'll shut up now and play the episode. Hello and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. I'm with Chicago comedian Joe Kilgallen and... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sports movies. I think mostly baseball movies. Yeah, I'm a big baseball nerd, as you can see. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, by the way, Mike. I'm yeah. excited to get into this with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for coming on. So, uh, I guess, like, I don't know where to start, but um, I guess we'll just start talking about, like, baseball films and stuff like that. Like, what's your, do you have, like, a favorite movie in general, sports-related, like, baseball? Or, I always feel like boxing's a cheat, because that's always, like... You know, Doesn't like every movies, ama- yeah, because it's like every great movie is like it's like well, a boxing. Bo- I movie. feel like because Rocky won Best Picture before Raging yeah. Bull won Best Picture, I believe, right? No, it, it lost. Nominated though, it it got nominated, but it lost to uh, Ordinary People, directed is, by Robert Redford. Okay, or, as I, I call it, movie. Ordinary Movie. Yeah, you know, it was <laughs> about a bunch of like whiny rich white kids in Lake Forest. And it was you big know? back in the day. But see, this is why yeah, people yeah. listen to this podcast. You know your stuff. Uh, <laughs> But, and then The Fighter was nominated, I believe, at the yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because boxing has that classic screenplay, 
anyone who's ever re-read or wanted to write a screenplay or read like Save the Cat or read any book yeah. about screenplay writing knows they have like the boxing movies they get the underdog. Yeah. They're they're you know, they decide I'm gonna commit to this. So then you got your twenty-five minutes, twenty-five to fifty of them like kicking ass, getting better in the gym, yeah, getting yeah. better, improving, improving. Yeah. Then right around the 75, 80 minute mark. They fall down. It looks like, well, he's not going to be champion now. There goes his dreams. And it's like, no, you got to dig even deeper. Yeah. They overcome it. It's this big rah rah happy ending. I mean, they're great. I love them. I'm not knocking them, but it's too easy, like you said. Yeah. Baseball movies, to me, I mean, all sports movies kind of have that you overcome the, the, the team you want to win yeah. wins and all that. I think it's because I grew up obsessed with baseball. Yeah. That was yeah. my sport. I collected baseball cards. I read all statistics. I think I learned math from baseball cards. Uh, it was. And, and I dreamed of being a baseball player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I would have had the dream of being a stand-up comedian when I was five or six <laughs> years old, I'm sure, you know, if there was, a, there's not that many, but if Funny People or Mr. Saturday Night or whatever movies would have been out Lenny, when I was a kid. that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. Any movies about stand-up comedy would have been my favorite movies, too. Yeah, yeah, So I was just kind of like, baseball was that pipe dream, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then this, the movies for it. And then there's usually enough humor in them, enough drama, which I like humor, and yeah, I like yeah, mixing yeah. in a little drama, too. So... Yeah, that's why I love them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it's funny because like I think with with boxing movies, they're very singular because you just like focus on one character. Yeah. And there's not like a whole team dynamic where it's like, well, here's all these other characters that you kind of you don't have to focus on them, but it kind of becomes like a thing within the film. But when it comes to, I guess, like, because uh, you do a baseball podcast. I do. Right? Yeah. Comedians talking baseball, everybody. It's <laughs> weekly. Nice. And it's uh, myself and a comedian in L.A. We just we, we get in the history of baseball, though. See, I think that's oh. what's cool about baseball is they're, just take a line from the movie Moneyball, which is one of my favorite baseball movies. Oh, yeah. Definitely my favorite of the last 10 years, is uh, how could you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah. That's what he talks about. Yeah. And I think because it's you know, America's pastime, there's a history. Uh, there's something that connects the country, that connects culture. You know, being a big Cubs yeah. fan, or you're a Sox fan, yeah. but being a big Cubs fan... When but I won't... like Cubs, too. Yeah. All right, I'm kind just, of. I'm just, yeah, you you said before the podcast, you said you should have wore your socks, and that's why. I know. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just giving you a hard time. I, uh, yeah. Which, by the way, Sox fans were able to do to me for a long time, so I think I'm, I'm, avoid, I'm enjoying these few years here I got. Are you, are you from, like, the south side? Or no, I'm from the northwest side of the city, yeah. but my dad worked for the Chicago Park District on the south side. Oh, gotcha, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, my parents divorced when I was, like, five, and to save money, my dad would take us to work right and he worked at a park so it was great for me as a kid so i would i spent a lot of time on the south side yeah like from the age of like five to ten and Sox fans and me would get into it right right. it always made me laugh because cubs and Sox are two of the worst franchises in baseball history <laughs> it was, it true. Was, yeah the, the longest droughts have been cubs red Sox, white Sox. yeah so it's always funny to me when like the white Sox won in 2005 they were bragging like they were the Yankees. I'm like, we've both won one in a hundred years. Yeah, like, exactly. Terrible. I think like the Sox, like they won in 05 and I think they won on like what, like a 94 year drought or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they were 1917 yeah. yes, to, yes. to 2005. Yeah. The Cubs were 1908 to 2016. So yeah. obviously the Cubs were longer by a good 15 years or so yeah. um, combined. But it's still so like you're comparing, you're comparing 85 years to 100 years. Yeah. It's just so stupid. <laughs> anyway, though, uh, with Moneyball, um, when he talks about like how can you not be romantic, it did make I brought the Cubs winning the World Series because in 2016 was a crazy year in America. You know what was going yeah. on, whatever. That's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, believe me, it, the Cubs had five million people at the parade. Yeah, five million. And I remember seeing like video. And you saw all walks of life in there. Yeah. You saw white people, a lot of white people, of course. You saw Hispanic <laughs> people, black people, like you saw everybody. And I remember thinking like in that moment there were no 
uh, Catholics, there were no Jewish people, there were no black people, there were no atheists, there were no white people, there were no Asians. Yeah. There were just Cubs fans. Yeah. That's how everyone identified. Their identity was, I wear this hat. And to me, I'm like, that's what I love about sports in general, yeah. and baseball in particular. And Moneyball was great because it took a new approach from the front office standpoint. Yeah. It, it humanized the, the people who pull the strings. Yeah. Where the human connection always before was, like, you know, me being a little kid, dreaming of being a baseball player or anybody, you know, you identified with the athletes themselves. Where this, I was rooting for the general manager. Yeah. Which was totally different. And I'd read the book, and the book's amazing. Yeah. And so I thought Brad Pitt um, was great. And I know he's one of the producers, and Aaron Sorkin did the screenplay. And yeah. I thought they were, they did a great job making it a movie. Because in the script, you know where you're going with. But I remember reading, like, the, the book, I mean, so yeah. I'm rambling here. But the book yeah. was very much, um, it was more cool with facts. Yeah. Like, holy, holy shit. The Yankees spent 200 million, they spent 40 million. How yeah. is this the same league? How are yeah. they? Yeah. You know, it's the only sport with no salary cap. Well, yeah. I, I mean, they just, uh, the great thing about Moneyball the movie is it took the business aspect of baseball and they made it emotional. Yes. And uh, the great thing is with someone like Aaron Sorkin, he, it's able to take things that are usually quite mundane and make them uh, interesting or oh, yeah. connect to an audience on, in an emotional way. Like if you watch The West Wing, you know, he made the respectability of politics when it used to exist. A, uh, One of my favorite shows of all time, The West yeah, Wing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I got into that about four years. I mean, I think the final season was 2006. I think I started watching it like reruns. I called on Bravo yeah. uh, in like 2008 <laughs> or nine. I think like 2008. Yeah. Because I could picture where I was living at the time. And... I remember thinking if I would have watched the show while it was on the air from yeah. like 99 to whatever, I was eighth grade to high school basically, I might have thought about working harder in school and getting into politics. Right. Because that's yeah. how much he made politics sexy. And I think I've got a brother who's in college, and I tell him, I'm like, try to get like an internship with the cause. Maybe you could weasel your way. <laughs> He's a really smart kid. You could, you know, get into that front office pitcher, maybe work, yeah. you know, as a scout doing, because baseball and sports in general now are so numbers driven and so data driven that. It's no longer like ex-athletes doing these jobs. They've yeah. got people who are like, oh, these are just super fans who are also incredibly smart, yeah. which is really cool to see because it's almost, you know, I, I joke because, you know, I, as a comedian, a lot of comedians identify as, oh, I'm a nerd, I'm a nerd, and all this stuff. Yeah. I go, well, we're all nerds. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's I, nice that nerd is becoming more, it's not looked down upon like it used to be. No, I think, it's not I think at all like that dork, anymore. If you're yeah. a geek or a dork, yeah. But nerd to me just means you have an obsession and you're really into a certain thing. Exactly. Which everybody like, has. That. I'm a everybody, film nerd, you're but a film like nerd. that's a, you know you're a, I'm baseball, a baseball nerd. nerd. You know, which my I think dad's film a huge nerd is baseball nerd. nerd. Like, more people go to movies and baseball games these days, so you're in the more mainstream <laughs> thing than I am. Well, What's your no, name? people still go to baseball games. They do. I know. I know. I know. But like, just driving down here, you can see that. Oh yeah, yeah. Cubs traffic today. Yeah. But I mean, forty thousand people go to a game in Chicago. Yeah. It's, the Cubs have 40,000. Say the Sox are playing in town too. Yeah. So that's another 2,000. So you got 42, that's an inside Chicago joke. Yeah. Sox attendance, <laughs> so you get maybe 60,000 total people on a Friday. Yeah. How, how many people are going to the movies in the Chicago area today? Yeah, not as many. Not as many, like, not 60, probably not 60,000. Like so I guess baseball's still more. Yeah. I don't know. I look at the, I'm just saying that. And it's nice to be outdoors and enjoy it. It's like once a year like that. Like you yeah, can go to a theater yeah. any time of the year. And but sports it's nice and movies and, are both right up there. Yeah. As a comedian, I wish comedy was thought of the way. Because people say yeah. on a Friday night, 
hey, you want to go out and watch the game? Or, hey, you want to go see a movie? I don't think the average person, the average person I'm saying, yeah. will say, hey, let's go see some stand-up tonight. Yeah, they never want to go see a comedy show because they they'll just go assume... Maybe once a year, the average person, if that. I think they assume it's going to be something like an open mic. And it's like, no, yeah. go to a real comedy show. That's why know? they'll go to the big names. Yeah. Like in the uh, Chicago say, yeah. theater, but not, or like if you're in, you Listeners. know, New York. Where's the camera? Listeners, you gotta support these artists on the way up. Go see some independent films. Go like, you know, go to the music film box. festivals, <laughs> Music Box, and, and, and there's great comedy too. Yeah. But uh, no, 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 the, uh, uh, getting back on Moneyball. Yeah. But no, getting back on Moneyball, like just as a film nerd, like it, you feel so emotional, especially towards, I guess it's a spoiler, but the movie came out so long ago, so... I always feel like there's a certain window with spoilers. Yes, you got. You know. came out almost what 2011. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. You, that's. Go for it. You yeah. can spoil it. But it's like the, the most emotional part of that movie is when the Red Sox offered him like a trade. You don't see what the number is, but I think it was. No, they reveal. Well, they I looked it up, yeah. or maybe they said it in the closing credits. Because in the closing credits, they had like yeah, you know, in just in, in text. Yeah. What do you call that in a movie? Where it's just it's black and it tells you. It's, it's just sort of like a text slash epilogue. In epilogue. A way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, it says that the Red Sox offered him twelve point five million dollars, which I think almost still yeah. that might be the high. It would be the highest paid. Yeah. And he was making maybe almost about a million, maybe a little less with Oakland. So that would have been yeah. a huge raise. And you're right. It does. It. It. That's the emotional part where he wanted to win there in Oakland. Would have meant because his whole thing was, what does it mean? He kept saying, I want it to, I've been in this game for a long time, I want it to mean something. Yeah. And that to me is like, you're right, the emotional part where it's like, all right, yeah, it's more to just the players. Because it's always, it's always been about players or the fans. Yeah. So that's why I think that movie was cool because it's like, you know what? At the time I saw that, I had long overcame the fact that I'm not going to be a Major League Baseball player. Right, right, right. I mean, I probably was 27 when it came out. And, uh, but who knows? Maybe one day I could get lucky enough to fall ass backwards into a general manager. So then, you know, right. you're... As a as a person, who you relate with changes. Yeah, we could always relate with fans. There's a time in our life where some of us could go, I can relate to that guy. Yeah, and then there comes a time where you're like, all right, now I want to relate with the owner. Yeah, <laughs> or the hot dog vendor, or whoever. Now, that and, would be um, an interesting baseball movie, like, just about vendor. like the hot dog vendor. How about, I always like, thought you could do like a Die Hard where the hot dog <laughs> vendor has to save yeah. the stadium. The yeah, stadium is taken hostage. And this hot dog vendor who's an ex-alcoholic, maybe military, so yeah, he's got yeah. the skills. He's like Liam Neeson, but American. I think we're could literally pitching Liam the new Neeson? Die Hard. Like, it Let's could write be like, it, man. We should just make Bruce Willis like go undercover as a hot dog vendor. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, Bruce Willis could still do it. Yeah, yeah. Might, might be a little wrinkly now, but... Yeah, that, I, I, know some, I know some behind-the-scenes stories about him, too. Though. Yeah, not yeah. a good guy? You don't want to talk about the podcast? Well, I, I fuck it. I can talk about it. Like yeah, someone stood outside of his trailer for. I'm gonna fix one thing that's bothering me. <laughs> Bruce Willis. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like someone was standing outside of Bruce Willis's uh, trailer. I think like literally for like two hours, and then he like came out of his trailer, and this is on the set of uh, uh, what was it, the remake of Death Proof or whatever. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, when he came out, like after two hours, the guy asked Bruce Willis for his autograph. He looked at him, and then he just looked away and just walked past him. Yeah, that's a and jerk then, move. I mean, and then someone also kicked him out of the production van. I know, like one of my friends, because he was like in the, uh, or one of my friends' friends. He worked on the production, and basically like base camp, like where like all the actors mm -hmm. and the directors and everyone 
for like the main unit, like they they were like literally just a block away. Brusilovs gets in the van, he has to go to the base camp. The dude's like, dude, it's a block away. Get the fuck out of my van. <laughs> oh, that's what he said to Brusilovs. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I can see Bruce getting a little upset about yeah. that. But also, hey, Bruce, come on, you're an athlete. Walk the block, right? Yeah. I don't know how much of an athlete he is anymore, though. But, that and, uh, like, every angle that's, like, not his face, it was just a stand-in in that movie. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Usually the stand-ins are just there to, you know, yeah. get the camera right and the light yeah. and all that. They, they typically aren't on film too much unless it's a stunt double. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's, like, the anti-The Rock. Because everyone talks about The Rock being the nicest human being in the world. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Bruce Willis. See, Bruce Willis, did, they just did a roast of Bruce, Bruce Willis on Comedy Central. Did they really? Yeah. Like Usually, you know what they say? Yeah. They came out this weekend. I haven't seen, weekend. like, Comedy Central in forever, honestly. <laughs> Which is weird. Like, I hate to say it, but you're not missing all that much. No, nah, there's yeah. some great shows out there. Any one of the shows my friends are on yeah. are the best. Daily Show, fantastic. Yeah. And that's it. Um, <laughs> no, uh, they're, they're still doing some good stuff. I was yeah. just messing around. But uh, maybe South Park, yeah. But South Park, I've got to catch of, up it's, on. It's kind of like, it's kind of starting to show its age a bit. But, I mean, you know what, yeah. for 20 seasons, this is remarkable. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, so anyway, we're going back to Moneyball. Oh, yeah. Said, yeah, no, I mean, I could get sidetracked all day. You've heard me talk. Yeah. Um, I'm like that little kid that's like, ooh, a balloon. And I, I ran yeah, it's and like, off. That's why I have this uncut and then cut. You know, yeah, the totally. cut version has all the clips and shit. And that takes like you do a best couple of weeks. Of, yeah. No, I've seen it, man. I really like what you do here. Oh, thanks. Uh, and you got, we're at Galway Bay Pub in Chicago. Yeah. Before Literally in Wrigleyville while but, uh, a Cubs game is going on. Yeah. I mean, when you, this isn't. This is like the border of Lincoln Park and Lakeview. It's not yeah, far yeah. though. I mean, Wrigley Field's like a mile and a half away. You that. could walk there. You could from definitely here. walk there yeah. for sure. Yeah, I'd say a mile and a half. Um, so, all right. Well, Moneyball is probably my favorite baseball movie in the last ten years. You asked me earlier if I had a yeah. favorite. Yeah. It's tough to say a favorite because it, it goes almost by decade. Because with any movie, it kind of you know, people knock nostalgia, but I really do feel like in the grand scheme of things, yeah. your favorite movie. Or the movies you connect with will bring you back to it, the time in your life when yeah. you saw that movie. Yeah. Um, a major league was fun one for me. Yeah, that's like that's one of my favorite comedies. It's such I a good it. comedy. You um, run like Willie Mays, but you can't hit for shit. Yeah, you may hit like <laughs> shit. Yeah. I liked it because, uh, you know, I was a, you know I played baseball, mm. and that movie came out when I was like six, and I think I saw it around that. Maybe it was five when it came yeah. out. I was pretty young. I remember at a couple times when there was some swear words and some innuendo stuff. My dad just being like. <laughs> um, my dad never cared. He watched Oz in front of me as a kid. Not The Wizard of Oz, like prison ass rape Oz. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> See, my dad, I don't think he cared, cared, because I remember yeah. seeing Slapshot. Yeah. I remember the scene in the Slapshot where the woman, who it's funny. The, the mom from Christmas Story. Yeah, the mom from Christmas Story plays a bisexual yeah. woman, and in one scene, just smoking a cigarette, boobs out. Yeah. And, you know, like you do. And, uh,. Which actually was more realistic, because I hate it when I watch movies, yeah. and they're like in bed together, but she still has the sheet up to Yeah, her yeah, like, like who does you guys, that? <laughs> you just had sex. Yeah. You wouldn't be sheet all the way up to you like, like what that. What are you hiding? I've no. seen... If it's chilly, you might bring it up a little, but you're not going to be... Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, uh, I remember that scene, him kind of being like, you know, doing like, cover the eyes, doing one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he didn't like tell me, oh, you better get the hell out of the room for this one. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, because I think he was one of those guys... I think that was sometimes in movies, too, where he's like... Oh, Major League? Yeah, it's a baseball movie. We totally could watch that. And then halfway yeah. into it, it's like, shit, I forgot about this scene. Yeah, and, um, yeah. Because for a while, I would quote, well, I'm hanging out with my friends. Yeah. There's a scene where Tom Berenger goes in to talk to Corbin Bernson. Yeah. I believe that's his last name. Bernstein, Bernson, whatever. Yeah. Because Corbin was like a pretty boy, kind of like past his prime, but was once yeah. 
a, a solid player. They hinted him being an all-star once yeah. or twice. And uh, he tanked the play because he was kind of like, yeah. he was, his brain was already out of baseball. Yeah. He was getting into investment banking and stocks and all that bullshit. Yeah. And so Behringer's like, this is my first year back in Major League Baseball. These yeah. young guys are coming up and I'm not going to put up with that shit. We're trying to do something here. And he goes into his house, yeah. into the, whatever solarium, whatever bullshit name he gave. Rich people always name living room something fancier than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's a family room. There's a TV and a couch. Yeah. He's in the solarium. I always um, always mix up family room with living room, too. It's like, why are you going to the living room the no same. one's living in there? You yeah, know? well, because some people have it where the living room, because growing up, I didn't have a family room, but my grandma did. We went to yeah. my grandma's house every Sunday for dinner. And the living room was like the really nice furniture. Yeah. There was like little statues on the mantle yeah. and fancy stuff, and you just didn't touch anything. And um, then the family room was where there was couches and some toys lying around and the bigger t the big TV. And yeah. you, it's where you walk, you know, that was like where the action was. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. you could eat pizza in here, get a paper plate, but all that stuff where the living room is, you don't even bring up fucking crumb in this room yeah you know? <laughs> but i grew up where we our living room was the family was both anyway yeah. though so, so major league uh, major yeah. league uh <laughs> major league when he goes in there into yeah. his solarium like we were saying he says to him if you ever tank another play like that i'll rip your nuts off and shove them on your fucking throat you notice oh, how shit. i really <laughs> emphasize fucking nobody to me i still haven't heard anybody yeah i dare you movie buff movie buffs to find someone who says the F word better than Tom Berenger says in that scene. Oh, he says F word's great. Remember Platoon? Platoon, yeah. he said it great. He said, the way he said, you could hear him out of his throat. The way he says, I'll take your, rip your nuts off and shove it on your fucking throat. Like your fucking throat. You could hear, he got every fucking part of that CK combo. And it was, uh, <laughs> I was, I, ran, I was running around quoting that as like a six, seven year old. Yeah. I was that was like your first, was that your first time like swearing? Fuck all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. But yeah. swearing, no, I grew up, uh, yeah. grew up Chicago, Irish Catholic. We, we knew how to swear. Yeah. Like we don't always just swear around my house. Like nobody could stop it. <laughs> but no, I know uh, major league was definitely a great comedy. It, Kind of had just this great team dynamic the with everyone where too. the characters all worked. You talk about you boxing know, movies just being about the fires, but characters, I mean, you had Charlie Sheen. You yeah. Had the, you had the coach, the old the old manager, Lou Brown. You yeah, had, Charlie Sheen was, a, what was it, Wild Thing? And he had the big-ass yeah. glasses on. And Dude, Bob Uecker is yeah. the announcer. I mean, they hit Oh, God, Bob Uecker was the best part of that play. Yeah, I mean. Part of that movie. The old veteran pitcher. Yeah. You had, yeah, William Ace Hayes, uh, Wesley Snipes. You had the Dominican player, or was he actually Cuban? Yeah. Um, uh, and Pedro Serrano, who's the actor's name, I forget. And then, and then you had the owner, yeah. who was like this trophy wife who fell into owning a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which was maybe it was a play on Marge Scott from back in the day, I think, who's the Reds owner. And yeah, it hit there everything. There was the manager too. They cut and, to yeah. fans' reactions. Remember, I don't think these guys look too fucking good. Like Randy, which was, was that Randy Flynn, Quaid, the one like uh, fan? He was in the he was in the sequel. Oh, I thought he was in both, because, like, in the no, first one, he, the, the, he was, like, overly enthusiastic, and in the second one, he was just completely, like, cynical. See, they cast yeah. him because he was a name for the second one. You know, yeah. In sequels, they was trying to do things a little bigger. Yeah. And, no, he was not in the first one, though. I'm 99% sure on yeah. that, because I watched the first one recently, and I thought he was in it. Yeah. But they kind of, like, do his character, like, oh, this is this person now. Kind of like in Wayne's World 2, yeah. Chris Farley played one of the guys who was supposed to be one of the crew in the first Wayne's World. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. And they kind they of, like, Terry, you gained a lot of weight. Like, they kind of made it seem <laughs> like, oh, he's always been around. But, yeah. no, this guy's a hot actor now. We wanted to get him in the movie, and here's what he did. Even though Chris Farley was in Wayne's World 1, it's a different role. He was a security guard. 
Oh shit! They he he was a totally different. Well, the I always thought the way second one once because it was so like I I didn't like the second one. So I get much. that. I get that yeah. a lot. But uh, the first one, I remember yeah. they were leaving, and then he's wearing like a yellow security guard and saying, "Mr. Big, he's gonna go through Milwaukee, then down through St. Louis, all the way to Chicago." Yeah, yeah. yeah. doing like the Chris Farley yeah. stuff. It's like, big with every movement. Yeah. Um, those of you wondering, I was looking at myself off the camera to make sure I, was, <laughs> I wanted to nail my Chris Farley impression. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so they do the same thing with Major League Two with Randy Quaid's character. And that was great too. They had the fans yeah. where it's like, ah, too high, too high. And then they're arguing, well, it went too high. And it's like, who gives a shit? It's gone. Like, just that yeah. it was great. I mean, I don't know who wrote that. I think I wouldn't know because it was. I, I don't know. know it's how my head. I don't know to, if it was someone yeah. who wrote several movies or that was just their one hit. If that was their one hit, they were smart because they really, they dumped out the whole kitchen sink on that one. Because yeah. I think every, I can't think of a character where I'm like, useless character, not necessary. Yeah, right? Like, even one. even fucking the Renee Russo, who was a love interest. Yeah, was, even uh, she played a role. Yeah, like, even she, like, you, you, like, she was sort of like the emotional dynamic of that story. I yeah. think, uh, wasn't it Charlie Sheen? Or, no, it was Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger, which shows yeah. also he was this yeah. scumbag baseball player alcoholic who... Who, who didn't realize how good he had it, didn't appreciate it, yeah. and because of that, he, he threw away his personal life, threw away his professional life, yeah. which the only reason he came back to play was because they were trying to purposely lose. Yeah. So not throwing the whole plot of the movie Major League, everyone, but the whole point was the owner, the Harris, who takes over the team, she doesn't want to be in Cleveland anymore. Yeah. Which poor Cleveland now, still going over these jokes about no one wanting to be there. Yeah, no it's LeBron still done. like not that, yeah. It's not bad, I like Cleveland. And, uh, so there, there's a stipulation where if their attendance falls below like 800,000 for the season, they could move to, and she wanted to move to Miami, which yeah. worked because at the time the Marlins didn't exist. Yeah. Because they kind came of funny, out like four years before. Because, you know, LeBron went to the heat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, holy shit, man. Yeah. Has anyone made that, someone had to have made that connection before. I'm totally know. forgetting that LeBron left Cleveland to go to play Miami Heat. Yeah. And she was trying to get them to leave Cleveland to become a Miami Damn, man. See how that connects? Miami. It's like, it's like the expanded the universe of the <laughs> Major League. Wow, how about it? Don't, right, make, yeah, don't make the sequel of Major League about, like, uh, basketball or something. <laughs> yeah, they could make a, a, what would they call that? NBA? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it only works for Major League, I guess. Yeah, because, like, Cause it's got the, the word major part. in it. Major. You know? Major League. You can't do national football as a movie. Yeah. <laughs> national hockey. It'd be boring. Basketball. Yeah, it'd be really dumb. Yeah, it can sound very uh, stale and corporate sounding, right? I will I will say one baseball movie that is like a guilty pleasure is a terrible film, but I just remember from my childhood because like my dad watched it in front of me as a kid, and this was like when he like used to run a video store, and like he doesn't know shit about movies by the way, but he ran a video store, and like he would always watch uh, Tony Scott's uh, The Fan with Robert De Niro. And Wesley Snipes wow, is also. Yeah. <laughs> God, I saw that a few times. That was not a good movie. It's was it? so bad that it's you know, good I remember, almost because it's uh, so crazy and over the top. Like Robert De Niro plays a knife salesman, and he kills. And he, yeah, right. He, yeah, he kills Benicio del Toro in the showers because he's like holding the team back or something with a knife. The like, hardest thing to believe on that because they're aiming for subtlety. You yeah, know? yeah. Of <laughs> I think the hardest thing to believe was that Benicio del Toro could be a baseball player. I just feel like that dude. Doesn't look like an athlete. He, he looks like he just murdered everyone on the voice, team. <laughs> yeah, he looked like he came in specifically. If you don't turn a double play, I cut you, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I remember that scene. He kills, because uh, that was when it got so weird where he was so obsessed with this fan, uh, with uh, Wesley Snipes' character, Bobby something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he was, in this, the thing is, you would have made that movie work a little bit, which is if Robert De Niro's character was 
like in his late 20s. Yeah, yeah. And he was just this guy that, like in, you ever see the movie The Fan with Patton Oswalt? Uh, no, but I know what you're talking about, fanboys. Fanboy, yeah. or whatever it's called, or fanboy yeah. fan. Pan Oswalt plays this guy who's obsessed with the New York Giants. Yeah. And his character, his backstory of his character is he lives in his mom's basement, he calls into sports radio constantly. Yeah. And, you know, he really is not kind of like Arrested Development where he's, he's, yeah. he's still like a 15-year-old, even though he's clearly in his early 30s. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I think th that guy being obsessed works because Robert De Niro's character was older than the player. So you yeah. think that man... Even if he's crazy in his head, would understand, oh yeah, players get older and they're not good anymore. I've seen yeah. this with my other favorite players. When yeah. I was eight, Mickey Mantle got old and wasn't good anymore. Yeah. That's what happens. So it would be one thing if it was like some 29-year-old or someone with the same age going, or like, you know, you're getting worse at your job and I'm getting worse at my job and I can't have this. You're my thing. Yeah. You were the thing I fell back on when life was hard. My, when my wife was leaving me, I would watch your games. And yeah. if you suck and give up, then what, you know, what hope do I have? I don't know. That's how I would have made it a better movie um it, it's interesting when you said someone younger i just thought like it would be interesting if it was a movie about someone maybe who still lives at home because they have like a bad mental disorder yeah and because of their mental disorder and they're like obsessed with baseball which works because it's on every day yeah right it's, yeah. it's a sport that would make sense that if you're off mentally you would get obsessed with exactly like he just go nuts with it and then it would cause him to snap and like capture the baseball player's son and maybe i take out the whole thing where he gets to go to his house or something like that you know unless like he felt bad for him not like mentally disabled mental disorder but yeah. more like a high well, yeah, you can't have a form yes. of asperger's mental yeah disorder, so it would have to know? be like almost like a like sociopathic where it's like yeah this guy burns ants like some yeah, weird, yeah, yeah, yeah. like you know he was gonna hurt a kitten like you know that you can't have it where but he seems like an innocent like nice guy yeah and people kind of feel bad for him so like maybe like when's a charity thing to go like go to wesley snipes house or something or something yeah. like that you know like just some sort of something that leads believable yeah. circumstance but instead, it's mess. like well, baseball is easy to get frustrated with too yeah it's a very frustrating oh thing. god you should see one day you look great, one day you look terrible yeah. You should see my dad with it. I have a documentary I've been making for years about his anxiety and oh, when he gets mad at games. Like, I, I remember the year in 2005, even when the White Sox won the World Series, it was like when they were going on their slump and there was that game where Canerco had the pop-up and he put his hands like, on his helmet. And like I remember my dad was like yelling and crying. And I'm like, chill out. It's just a game. And he just went, it's the worst thing you don't know what it's like to be in pain. That's, that is the worst thing you could say to someone say it's just a game. Yeah. It <laughs> if you're, if you're really obsessed and, and into it, the just a game thing stinks because if it's just a game, why am I going, why am I taking it this hard? Which is another, you talk about, I've, I've always liked the movie Fever Pitch. And I, I yeah, know some yeah. people go, oh, really? It was so corny. It was all this. I don't think I've ever seen that. was it's a Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, Fallon Drew right? Barrymore. Yeah. based off a book. That's why I didn't see it. About a soccer team, actually. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I was uh, it was, it was Jimmy Fallon before it got yeah. bad. It was yeah. based off a of soccer team, is what I'm saying. Though they yeah. changed it for baseball. Oh, gotcha. the American version is about baseball. Yeah, it worked both ways. Because soccer, yeah. the field's called the pitch. Baseball pitch. Yeah. Um, but he's this guy who's obsessed with the Red Sox. Obsessed. And they yeah. luckily, when they were filming it, the Red Sox happened to win the World Series, so they didn't change the ending. Yeah. To incorporate them winning the World Series, so it's pretty cool in that regard. So and why does it like overlooked? Do you think? Like, what do you think people don't appreciate? I, I think about people it. don't like Jimmy Fallon now, right. and it makes them go back to not liking him then. Mm. Or maybe they didn't like him then. I, I I don't know why. I watch it and I relate to it because yeah. Now when that movie came out, I was in high school. I think I was a senior in high school. Yeah. Or no, I was going. To, I was 04, so I was a freshman in college. And I had friends of mine telling me, "Oh, I just saw Fever Pitch. You got to go see it. You'll yeah. love it. The, it's you, but yeah, Red yeah, Sox." Yeah. 
And then my wife always laughed because we were dating at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, where she said, uh, that, there's one scene where Jimmy Fallon corrects Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore says, she's complaining about the relationship because she realizes that she's going to be number two to the Red Sox always. Yeah. Like, oh, my friend's having a birthday party Friday. But then I look at the calendar and, oh, we can't go because Pedro's pitching. And then he corrects her going, Pedro's pitching Thursday, shillings on Friday. Like, yeah, yeah. And then, so my wife was like, that is exactly what you would do. <laughs> you would correct me in something like that. Yeah. Go, well, you know, you want to be right, don't you? You got to yeah, get yeah, things yeah. right. Um, but it, I, it has a, also, I, at the time, that movie came out in 04, so from 04 to when the Cubs won in 2016, yeah. I would watch that fantasizing going, I wish it was about the Cubs. Yeah. Because the whole thing is like, he, he realizes like, oh my God, I'm losing this girl because I was more into the team. And then, so he decides to sell his season tickets that he got, he inherited from his uncle. Now, when he was like seven, his parents divorced and he moved to Boston and didn't know anybody and didn't have any friends. He was a shy kid and his uncle took him to Red Sox games and he fell in love with the Red Sox because he had nothing else in his life. And so right there as a, as a human being, you go, oh, well, that's sweet. That's, yeah. that's why he's a super fan. Okay, cool, great. I get that now. And he's willing to throw it all away because he messed up and wants to get her back. Yeah. And then she realizes, oh shit, how selfish have I been? I've never given up anything for anybody. Hauls ass to Fenway, stops him from selling the tickets. They say, let's try to make it all work. And then in the backstory, the narrator says, and then you know what happens next? The Red Sox come back from 3-0 to beat the Yankees, yeah. their hated rivals, win the whole World Series, and it cuts to them celebrating on the field. Yeah. So from a filmmaker point of view, what a boner of coincidence to be able to go, we're doing a movie about the Red Sox during the World Series. Shit, they got their film crew out there. They were able to get onto the field. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The World Series was on Fox. Yeah. The World Series was on Fox, and it was a Fox studio, so they were able to connect it. And, and literally, I remember watching that World Series going, oh, Jimmy Fallon, I didn't know he's a big Red Sox fan, because they, they were showing celebrities in the crowd, yeah. and Fallon was there because they were filming the freaking movie. I don't even know if he grew up a Red Sox fan. I think he was... He's from New York, so maybe a Yankee fan. Maybe he's a Red Sox fan. I think I, he, I think he, he is a uh, Red Sox fan. From, Should be uh, now. I made some money off that movie. Yeah. Uh, no, the funniest thing. The White is, Sox want to pay me seven figures. I'll I'll, I'll root for you guys. At some <laughs> there's a there's an amazing there's this hilarious thing where there was a documentary that literally came out the year I think because the Red Sox won in 2004, right? Yes. So there's a documentary that came out in 2003 that was literally about like how the Red Sox always like choke up and disappoint their fans. And it literally came out the, the fucking year before. You're just like, oh, if you just stuck around for one more year. Yeah, totally. Oh, God. But that, that was crazy. And then they, I know there was a documentary about the Cubs that HBO produced called Wait Till Next Year. Yeah, Wait Till Next Year, the yeah. saga of the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, that one was a sad one. Because yeah. it's even sadder now because Dennis Farina, who was you know famed Chicago actor. Yeah, yeah. Been in a bunch of things. He um he's he died a couple years ago. Yeah. So he never got to see them win the World Series. He died like four, oh, three, three or four years ago. And he um his. I think he died like last year or year no, before. Like, no, he, he died before, before the yeah. World Series. Because I know because he was on the show New Girl. He was playing the character Nick's dad on that for mm. a little bit, and then he died in real life. So they incorporated him into the plot where Nick's the character's dad died. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he was a Chicago cop. Yeah. Before he became an actor. Right. That's right, yeah. It's kind of a cool backstory. And then, like, yeah, I remember the first thing I saw him in was, like, Manhunt. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was uh, in old-style commercials. Old-style, you said these commercials <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah. I don't really remember them, but I think I looked them up. They're on YouTube somewhere, I believe. Dennis Farina, you guys would know me, the big mustache. was in yeah, Law yeah. & Order for years, and he's been in a ton of things. He, uh, the whole premise of these old-style commercials yeah. were it's, it's our great beer and they can't have it. Yeah. So it would have like a surfer dude. I'm a surfer guy and I'm drinking an old-style. Yeah. Dennis Farina and his Chicago mustache and Chicago ass <laughs> knock the beer out of their hand and be like, it's our great beer and they can't have it. 
Basically, don't, saying, don't, Chicago, don't say, don't drink yeah. our fucking beer, which is funny because it's a beer made in Wisconsin. But anyway, yeah, um, there's a lot of breweries in Wisconsin. But no, that that was an interesting document. I remember um, who's the guy from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Jeff, Jeff Garland. Jeff Garland. Yeah, yeah, he'd be like crying like every time there was like an yeah, he, opening game. Like he would go, go watch opening bar. day and yeah. wherever he was in, if he was in LA or New York, he'd go to a bar specifically asked to watch Cubs games, and for some reason that opening day made him emotional. Yeah. Um, opening day doesn't make me emotional. It makes me excited. Yeah, yeah. I don't get really emotional, emotional once I realize it. we're yeah. mathematically eliminated, which, thank God, we're in a different time. Yeah. Because my son, I've got a one-year-old, and he's growing up yeah. during the golden era of Cubs baseball. Yeah. I, I hope it continues when he's old enough to enjoy it. It would suck by the time he's eight if we suck again. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be down years against baseball. Yeah. But, I no, that was, and then there was a 90-some-year-old guy in it who was like a baseball fan and he's oh, like yeah. yeah he was a the Cubs fan not baseball but yeah. of course he's a baseball fan but anyways like he he yeah he kept sticking it out and you're like well I hope he lives to see it I know I don't, I don't know. even know <laughs> I wish HBO could have done a follow-up and checked in on all those people to see if I think they just like cut to his grave <laughs> that that's I don't know there's something that's something else too that's about it where um see movies have that yeah. cool thing and you throw music in there and then you throw sports that's why I think those yeah. three have always been there as a comedian, I always wanted, I always wish, because I think about music, movies, and you know, sports, like I said before, is there's always the montage scene or the highlight video. Yeah. I'll still watch Cubs YouTube Gotta videos. Do a yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> where it's where there's just highlights of awesome sports stuff set to music, and you'll see it in a movie. Oh yeah. And and that's great. And I'm like in comedy, there's no like, you know, montage of a comedian like writing down a joke and. And then taking out that mic, and then it's just badass. The music's going. You high fives. <laughs> I maybe we should shoot one. You just like, to make you fun like of make it, the music go down of, a little bit when a joke doesn't work, but then when it goes well, and they like you cut to them writing it again the more intensely, like, and then they do the same joke, and then they're like laughing that time. Yeah. You bring the music up. You Look can make it mic. work. Yeah. At the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was always I was always jealous of that shit. You know. Um, but yeah, I, it's sports movies like. That's, that's the whole I Rocky. Know, it's, Rocky it's, it's made the montage. Rocky and made the montage. American uh, audiences, like, real excited. I mean, the first real montage movie was Battleship Potemkin, which was by Sergei Einstein, which was way back in a silent film, but yeah. All that. Learning something new. Yeah. Learning something new. Uh, well, yeah, we don't talk strictly baseball movies. I mean, all sports movies do kind of have that thing, yeah. but I think what I really just get a buzz on is that you... Unless they're done bad, because there's some that are done terribly. Yeah. But the ones that like are done right, the ones that are done right have that thing that bring it all together. That the human, um, that I like determination. I like movies that kind of motivate in a way. Yeah. You know, because I feel like as human beings, we all need a kick in the ass to be like, yeah. I got to be my best self. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are like, well, I don't relate to sports, so fuck that. I'm not into sport. I'm like, yeah, but still, it can apply to anything you're into. Yeah. Whatever, whatever your passion is, you, you know, if you're. Yeah. Whatever, you know, I think it, just get off your ass. I think it always yeah. makes me want to get off my ass. Whenever I watch, you can't watch, you can't watch a Rocky Marathon and then go, you know, I'm going to eat like a fucking asshole and just uh, <laughs> sit on my, I don't know, whenever I watch those, I'm like, all right, I got to like, I got to walk I gotta around, I got to move, yeah. I got to get the blood flow going. Um, and then they throw some comedy in there too, because there's, it's, it's a group dynamic, a lot of these. Yeah. The boxing movies, rarely, I can't think of any boxing movies that are also a comedy. Yeah, there's Great not White a Life, lot. I guess, but that wasn't about boxing per se. Yeah. That was more promotional All shit. boxing movies are just about underdogs, usually. Yeah, yeah, always about an underdog or overcoming adversity. You the entire Rocky series, you have Cinderella Man, you know, you have... Cinderella Man was the ultimate. Cinderella Man yeah. was a true story. Yeah. Which, like, Rocky, we love, but it wasn't... Yeah. Well, it was kind of based off of a real guy. Yeah. Um, 
But Cinderella Man was the real thing coming with the Great Depression as the backdrop. Yeah. I should have mentioned Cinderella Man to you when I was mentioning from favorite sports. Because oh, yeah, that one yeah. is definitely up there. Oh, yeah. That was shot very well. Yeah. Ron Howard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you ever see the uh, documentary about the Cubs from 30 for 30 called Catching Hell? And it was just about Steve Bartman and the whole 2003 incident? I did. Yeah. And those the fans that they show are awful. And I hate that they represented Cubs fans in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. But in a lot of sense, too, I had I know people who were at the game. Yeah. And I, there was a, a teacher in my high school who was there. And he you could see him in the shot. And he doesn't reach for the ball. You're so right. you see everyone reaching. People are like, oh, oh shit, Bartman, he was one of the, he was no, in he's one, role? He's like one, he's one up. So Bartman's like, say you're Bartman. Yeah. He'd be like, not where I am, but the next seat over. Yeah. And you see him start and then goes... Like this. He's like, so fuck that. I'm not going to be that guy. And that's not, even bringing that up is stupid yeah. because it doesn't matter. Bartman, yeah. he made a mistake. And everyone right away was like, well, fuck those. Like, I know a lot of people are like, I hate Cubs fans after watching that because of what they did to that man. Also, like, in the heat of the moment, you're thinking, we were this close to going to the World Series. Our left fielder. So I really blame Moises Alou for acting yeah. like an asshole. Oh, yeah, because well, he, was he was yelling a terrible fan left fielder. like a jerk off, too. He was, he was a, yeah. Lou was a great hitter, yeah. a bad left fielder, though, defensively. So I, I was sticking up for Barman for a while going, he probably didn't even think Lou had the range to get there. And who was pitching that, was that game? Mark Pryor. That? Yeah, was Pryor. A and he, and he like, let, like, fucking three runs in at that time. Yeah, Dusty and Baker, And there was though, also uh, God, uh, I blame, the I blame Dusty Baker more than anybody for the way he handled that situation. Yeah. Because... Mark Pryor was known for pinpoint control. Yeah. He was a great control guy. Struck out 250 guys, walked like 50 in over 200 innings. And yeah. he then, there was a foul ball. People forget, that was just a foul ball. It was just a foul ball. Yeah. He then walks that hitter. He ends up going from one two count to walking him. Throws ball four to the backstop. Yeah. So he was clearly riled up yeah. from what had happened. And the fans were still mad. Yeah. Because they're like, if this gets fucked up, I'm going to, that guy fucked it up. Because they'll yeah. lose reaction. The left fielder would be like, what the fuck, throwing his glove down. Yeah. The manager never came down to be like, hey, we're still up 3 nothing. Yeah. We got five outs to we Just got, relax. Like, relax. So it was a foul Take ball it down anyways. It's a foul ball. Yeah. So what, fellas? Let's go. You ready? Yeah. Let's go. Never did came out there. He didn't go out there until eight runs and scored. Yeah. They were up 3 nothing at and the start of that inning. Bust his fucking three by the arms. end. And, you know, God, he, Mark Pryor, for the month of September, averaged yeah. 130 pitches a yeah. start. Nowadays, pitchers, if they go up to 105, there's articles about it on every website the next day yeah. about how this manager is going to cause this guy to lose his arm. Yeah. That's how much. Anyway, though. Um, well, that fan, documentary was fascinating, though. That's it was great. No, off, it was, no, not to cut me off, because I could go on and on. But yeah. no, it's your job to cut me but, off. Uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I just want to say this about the documentary, because yeah. you're right. It was fascinating in the sense that you didn't realize the depths in which the hiding he had to go into, how security was trying to sneak him out. Oh, that was great. When the woman's talking about how she had him in the car and like he like she had to like hide him inside there. Like he literally had to duck underneath. Yeah. Like as if she was like transporting a fucking terrorist or something. Yeah, it really was. But what's yeah. crazy to me is just take your hat off. Yeah. Put a different color hat on or put something <laughs> yeah. else on. And then walk out of the damn stadium. I don't know how that... You wouldn't recognize him, yeah. I don't think people would have... Maybe, I don't know. Also, blame Fox. The, the, I think they were the... Uh, the oh, yeah, that they guy were the felt really they bad about it. They kept showing the camera, yeah. and then some asshole named him in the paper the next day. Yeah. That's where it was really fucked up. I blame the media more than anything, because people said, look at the fans, the fucking fans. I go, it was 42,000 people, 41,000 people in that stadium, and you talked to a lot of people there, and it was really just a section or two around him that were assholes, yeah. and the rest of them couldn't give a fuck. And the rest of them were just like, yeah, I remember because I, I was living in the city. I was obsessed. I was yeah. living that moment. I was, I was, uh, I was listening to, to sports radio every day. I was watching the news every day. I was uh, immense in everything Chicago Cubs. 
There were fans calling in going, ah, people are just using him as a scapegoat. The next, the shortstop booted the double play, the next play, this to this. Not that many people. A lot of people were like, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him. This guy grew up his whole life a Cubs fan. I feel bad for him. But the, but but the, the media the document, helped, like, literally name the guy. And then they interviewed the guy who was actually in charge of Fox at the time. And he was incredibly, he felt horrible. He felt horrible. He probably because, didn't think it was going to go to that level. Of, yeah, he's like, I should never have shown his face that many times. I should not have kept going to that replay. And then I did. And their you know, coverage was shitty like, that whole yeah. time, though. And I think people are better about it now. The Cubs, the first series was against the Braves. Carrie yeah. Wood's wife, they kept cutting to her. Yeah. They kept cutting to her on every pitch. So Carrie Wood the next day told reporters, yeah. I don't appreciate that at all. Yeah. Because they literally had the camera on her as much as him. He had an attractive wife, and every time he had a strikeout, they cut to her, like, woo. Look you know? at her hot wife. And then yeah. When it, yeah, exactly. And when they got close, she was like this, oh, like, you know, biting her nails. And they cut to her. Tons of times, to the oh point where God. he was—he had to talk to Major League Baseball, saying, "Like, what the fuck? I don't mind a shot here or there. Yeah. Like, I don't want the whole country insane. wanting to fuck my wife." Yeah, yeah and, and it's dangerous for her. You don't know what creeps are out yeah. there. He's a, a pitcher. He's making millions of dollars, and he's in the public eye, so that's part of his territory. Yeah. But that's his wife. Like, if he wants to keep his personal life personal, that's great. To the Bartman thing, one more time. Yeah, I, I made Cubs fans look terrible, and those fans who were—if you're a fan and you were shitty to him—then yeah. yeah, you are terrible, yeah. and you deserve to be called such. I just didn't like when this happens a lot in sports, where the, the camera will show one section of people acting like yeah. assholes, and the next day it doesn't say section 112 sucked; it'll say Brewers fans sucked. Yeah. It'll say you know Sox fans or Cardinals fans or whoever. Yeah. Where I'm like, yeah, it was a handful of people. Yeah. It's, that's the internet in general. Twelve people will take on a hashtag, and people will say, "Can you believe what they're saying?" I go, "That's like what a fraction of a fraction of a fraction." Every of a every team has fans who are assholes, or people who are just going there to get drunk and be assholes. Yes, and I think on that game, there was a lot of people. Like, yeah, there were a lot of Cubs fans, but then there were the guys there who were just kind of being assholes. You know, who just wanted to get drunk and yell asshole, literally. Yeah. They yell, chanting that. This was the WWE Bartman. Attitude Era. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there was a lot of people who wanted to chant swear words and stuff like that. And, and I mean, to bring it back to movies for yeah. you. Um, well, that was in the film they were showing, like, all those angles. But, yeah. And there was, yeah. Yeah, but, no, go ahead. We'll bring it to movies for you. Just uh, as a quick side note. Remember when the ghost, all-female Ghostbusters came out? Oh, God, yeah. I remember everyone, every post I saw, I saw more posts saying, fuck men who are saying this is going to ruin their childhood, and I actually saw posts from men saying it's going to ruin their childhood. Now, yeah. Leslie Jones, the actress, actually took a lot of shit. That was true. Yeah. But I know guys who I yeah. consider meathead, fucking actual sexists, yeah. who are bad dudes, and they were like, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, cool, that looks good. I'm yeah, <laughs> right? I almost think the people who made Ghostbusters said, let's create a fake controversy to jump up support. They kind of did that, like, it's Don't literally... Don't you feel that way? I didn't, I didn't know too many people who really were like, fuck yeah. women being in Ghostbusters. I mean, I'm sure there was a couple, but they made it seem like it was an epidemic. Yeah. There was literally, like, a scene in the movie where it seemed like they were predicting the hate before it happened because they're watching a YouTube video and they're commenting on how there's, like, a bunch of dislikes in it. And I'm just going, I remember wait, that now. did they fucking know about this shit? Like, did they know this was going to... I think they knew it would happen, but not like it would be as bad as it was. I agree, yeah. There's you know? something about that where yeah. I think people don't... People like to really... Uh, it's... Um, I think it's insulting that every time they do a... Like, there's Ocean's 8. I didn't see Ocean's 8. Right. Maybe it was great. But if you're telling me, hey, we want to do an all-female heist movie, yeah. cool, I'm on board. Why do you have to attach the Ocean's franchise to it? Yeah. Because that's movie executives hedging their bets. They're like, maybe people won't be into it. Let's do this. 
Same thing with Ghostbusters. You wanted to yeah. do like women superhero type, women scientists, women yeah. whatever, go for it. Why are you attaching? And I didn't even care about that, but I, I realized that after Ocean's 8 came out, oh, this is what they're doing. Yeah. Because for some reason, I think it, the sexism is more on Hollywood's end than it is on America's end. Yeah. I think most of America, if you look, the biggest, I was thinking about all my favorite comedy films, like comedy, laugh out loud, you know, yeah. of the last five years before Ghostbusters came out. Yeah. Bridesmaids was a huge hit. Yeah. Huge hit. Yeah. Starred all women. Men liked, by Paul as, men liked it just as much as women liked it. Yeah. Uh, Pitch Perfect was a big hit. All yeah. my all my guy friends liked the movie. Yeah. It's all women singing. Yeah. Um, the Heat, Sandra Bullock with Miss um, McCarthy. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. People love that movie. Yeah. Like there are plenty of movies that star women that people love. Yeah. And so the sexism isn't with America. I think it's with Hollywood thinking, are people really gonna like this? What's well, like? Yeah, they yeah. are. If it's good. It's gotta be good though. Yeah, it's gotta be funny. And that's a lot funny, of yeah. the things that people didn't like about Ghostbusters. The thing that got me mad about Ghostbusters and nobody pointed out was that they greenlit that movie basically right after Harold Ramis died. Because Harold Ramis and Bill Murray kind they of they never didn't wanted get along. a third. Yeah, for yeah. ever they wanted to do a Ghostbusters story. People wanted a Ghostbusters three and those two. Yeah. But they didn't get along. Yeah. They didn't get along. And then right when he died, long. immediately they're like, let's fucking bank off of this, because you know yeah. nobody's gonna wanna see a different group of men. Yeah. They're gonna wanna see the original guys. Maybe we can do a gender swap. Yeah, so like they, they knew there was a lot going on with yeah. things happening in America at the time with yeah. like more representation and of course that's great you obviously representation is a yeah. wonderful thing i just think that everything what people understand with hollywood and the entertainment industry in general that's why i was saying in the beginning yeah. hey support independent stuff because you know we you have more control ever yeah if you're if you're as citizens this is like a very exciting time because you yeah. have more control than you've ever had there's there's so many more avenues in which you could get your entertainment that you don't have to just fall for the same old bullshit. yeah um because all they care about is what makes them money what gives them yeah. eyeballs for the longest time people were like Oh, you can't have a black superhero movie. Or people thought they said that because you gotta understand this is it's Hollywood. They yeah. look at stuff from the point of can we make money? And we were gonna talk about that if my guest <laughs> showed up today. No, Let me see, what movie is that? It's uh, Spawn, the animated series. Spawn, yeah. Like there have been like I knew Black Panther was gonna make a ton of money. Yeah. Well they waited for the right time to do Black Panther. Yeah. If Black Panther would have came out fifteen years ago, it still would have been a hit. Yeah. It just wouldn't have been as big a hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like People, it's good. I know I know guys who I think are racist. Yeah. I think everyone knows the people where you're like, this guy's fucking racist. Yeah. <laughs> and they love like Luke Cage on Netflix. Yeah. They loved all this stuff. Like, and I think Hollywood always has this like instinct to be like, I don't know if they're gonna, so maybe we gotta like figure right. out a way to make it more acceptable for people. You right, know? right, right. No, but, uh, but going off of that, no, I guess going back into a, a, a comic book, or fuck, baseball films. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'll sort of point out some of my favorites. We talked a little bit about, um, oh, when we're going back to the note of mental disease and mental disorders oh, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, I don't know if you ever heard of a movie called Fear Strikes Out. I have, yeah, it's about yeah. Uh, Billy Pearsall. Jimmy Pearsall, Jimmy Pearsall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Pearsall. That was uh, starring Anthony Perkins as him, and Pearsall, uh, you know, with the way he was usually with words, he said that Anthony Perkins wasn't great for the role. He hated the movie because they basically blamed Pearsall's dad for kind of helping making him, like, paranoid and crazy, which I yeah. guess didn't coincide with the book that it was based on. I got to see yeah. that one. Um, Another and reason baseball movies are great, there's a mental aspect to baseball that people yeah, don't realize. That one's an unconventional baseball film, which is what I really like about it. And there's a lot of unconventional ones, like we were talking about earlier, 33 for 30, Catching Hell, which 
not only just goes over Bartman, but sort of about like the whole sort of um, uh, uh, mob mentality stuff in there. Yeah, there was the mob mentality aspect, and then there's sort of the whole history behind where the term scapegoat came from and stuff like that. And it came back from, I guess, like an old religious ritual where... Um, Sounds like some sort of pagan ritual. Yeah, it was like a pagan ritual where uh, they would sacrifice a goat um, and then sort of make it the basis to blame everything on. Wow, yeah. okay. And uh, So just all our problems because of that thing? Yeah, it's, so I mean, and it's, it's kind of funny because the Cubs sort of did that instead of sacrificing the, the billy goat, goat, yeah. they sacrificed the baseball. Like they literally blew up oh, the yeah. ball, Harold, ball. Back to Harold Ramis. Harold yeah. Ramis was the one that did this to yeah. have the ball blow up. Yeah, they bid, they, someone paid like over six figures for the Bartman ball. Yeah. Just so they could destroy it, thinking that will lift the curse. Yeah. That's why I think 2016 was my most satisfying season as a Cubs yeah. fan. It was right when the Cubs hired Theo Epstein, those years leading up to it, because I said to myself, yeah. after watching Moneyball, I go, look, there's no such thing as curses. I used to be so superstitious. Look, what I eat in the, what I have for breakfast is not going to affect Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to, I used to knock on wood every time the announcer would say something like that would make me think, oh no, if the guy gets a home runner here, it's the announcer's fault. Like, all that shit. Well, and baseball's then, so emotional, we, it makes you think that something's going to happen. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> I, I'm like, we've got smart people in charge now. Yeah. What happened, what, the 2016 Cubs had nothing to do with 1969 yeah. Cubs. There were so many idiot Cubs fans who were like, oh, well, I've seen this before. Remember when we got Andy McPhail? Andy McPhail was supposed to be this genius GM. Who was, what the fuck does that have to do with Theo Epstein? Yeah. This whole notion of like, just because it happened 50 years ago means it could happen again. These are different human beings that have to be wearing the same color yeah. that you're familiar with. It's, it's a real, it's a stupid human being approach, I've yeah. noticed. But it was fascinating how that movie examined that. But then going back to Fear Strikes Out, uh, they sort of dealt with sort of, I don't know if they really knew how to, what to diagnose Jimmy Pearsall with back then, because I was looking him up bipolar and there's no, worse? yeah, like I was thinking he probably had bipolar disorder. Did, yeah. Um, and they, they didn't really like, they, they, I guess, uh, said he had nervous exhaustion and I'm like, well, that's not technically anything. You I've know, heard that like, term before. Yeah. Um, the bassist from Oasis had it. Yeah. I saw that in a documentary about the band Oasis. Yeah, yeah. Where their bassist had to lay off touring for a while because he had nervous exhaustion. Yeah. And the lead singer, or the Noel Gallagher, who's the writer, uh, lead guitarist, songwriter, said, yeah. I don't know if that means uh, he's nervously exhausted or his um, his exhaustion is making him nervous. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, nervous exhaustion. Is right. he nerves or, yeah, he's just being a dick. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that Pearsall story, because he was an announcer, because he was a colorful he, oh, he was, a, he was, him and Harry Carey were the two best announcers. He got fired from the White Sox organization because he would be very critical about the management of the team yes. on the air. And I mean, they were hilarious together because Harry like. Harry would be drunk a lot. Back oh yeah, Harry Carey, like they'd pop up and Harry Carey would just go pop them up. Wouldn't be a home run in a phone booth, you know? And, you know, Pierce also said some racist shit before on the air. Like yeah, they had a bunch of people times, dressed yeah, up definitely. like Indians and like he thought he was off the air. So then he just went, I'll go back to the reservation, you know? Oh, God, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> and uh, oh, guys like that wouldn't get hired in the first place nowadays. Oh, God, no. Harry no. might have, actually, because he's that's got a the nice cough button for, you know? I like to know, like, what Hawk Harrelson says on the cough button was, like, <laughs> because... He, that, that thing will be on for a minute sometimes. There's a lot of dead air with Hawk Harrelson. Oh, yeah, because, like, when the socks choke up, he'll, he'll just not say shit for, like... He gets quiet. 20 minutes straight. I could just see him sitting there, like... 
<laughs> this whole time, you know. Uh, just murmuring to himself. Yeah. Obscenities <laughs> about how back in his day players had more respect for the game. Yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, all that mad shit. Yeah. Nonsense. Uh, yeah, that is an unconventional move. I got to go back and revisit Fear Strikes Out. Yeah. It's based off of, there's a couple good books it about him. It was based there. off a book uh, of the same name and a TV movie. And uh, Anthony Hopkins was not very athletic at all. Like uh, Jimmy Pierce actually said, yeah, he was lighting the loafers Anthony for the role. Ho- oh, you know, which, yeah. <laughs> An innuendo for something. Um, yeah. <laughs> was it Anthony Hopkins or? I uh, I'm sorry, Perkins. 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 Okay, cool. I was like, how old is Anthony Hopkins? Um, yeah, right. Well, you know what I'm talking about? Can I switch to another unconventional sports yeah. movie? Getting off baseball slightly. Have you ever seen Northdale's 40? You did mention it to me, but I never saw it, though. You said it was Nick Nolte, right? It's Nick Nolte. It came out in, like, the mid yeah. to late 70s. Yeah. And it's... It show you know, I mentioned how much I like Moneyball because it shows, like, front office stuff. Yeah. In um, North Dallas 40, it shows a lot of front office, behind-the-scenes stuff with football. Yeah. You know, this guy's hurt. Just, like, just shoot him up with something. So kind of like... Yeah. So when I, I remember when Varsity Blues came out, everyone going, oh, it's cool because it shows what these insane these coaches are to get players, like, you know, yeah. illegally drugging them, all that. I go, North Dallas 40 did this in the 70s. Like, they showed that back yeah. then. Like, Nick Nolte's great in it. This is Nick Nolte in his prime. Yeah. It's kind of based. They, it's, it's based on the NFL, but they the NFL wouldn't let them use real names. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they were the North Dallas Forty, so they were like the Cowboys, yeah. and the one guy was supposed to be like Tom Landry. He dressed like him and everything. And, yeah. And it just shows like the behind the scenes stuff with football. It shows a couple of these guys as rapists. It shows these guys. Whoa. Just, yeah, the one guy's a complete scumbag, and then it shows like um, how like the one the one character says, "Whenever we talk about it being a business, you remind us it's a game." And yeah. whenever we talk about it being a game. You remind us that it's a business. Like yeah. it's like, it's it's never fucking enough for you people. Like yeah. you know, and it just they go back and forth with this shit. And it's uh, it's really insane about the psychology with with football because football like, you talk about baseball being such a great thing for people who are a little off to get into yeah. it's every day. Oh, and football is definitely mental. great if you're off. I mean, I look at football, how many football, football players beat the shit out of their wives. Yeah, you know? I think the football because of the the violence and the concussions and yeah. all that stuff. Um, but I think football culture. I yeah. think baseball more if your mind's a little whatever it's a very nationalist uh, culture in football yes it is yeah you're right a lot of football i've heard football coaches say i pretend like we're going to war i go you're playing a fucking game yeah a a great friend of mine who um her brother uh loved football growing up yeah then uh joined the military and now doesn't like football anymore which is rare because most people do but he doesn't like anymore because he goes all they're doing is trying to pretend like they're fucking going to war. I actually went to war. So yeah. I can't get in. To me, this shit's soft now. I can't. Yeah. And then the mentality behind it where I remember there was this running back, Robert Smith, for the Vikings. He retired because he was just like, I was over there, rah-rah bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was 27, 28 years old, and these guys were still acting like they're, dude, it was a homecoming game. Yeah. And getting all this and this. And I'm just like, guys, we're fucking playing a game. We're getting a lot of money for it. Let's just let's chill the fuck out. Like, yeah. What's that know. football movie I still like where Robert Loja was the coach? And if you don't know who Robert Loggia was, he was like that guy that uh, 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 Al Pacino shot um, in um, uh, Scarface, and he was like Scarface's boss before Scarface took over his job. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the, what what, what was the movie about? Scarface? No, I know what Scarface is about. (laughs) What was the football movie you're talking about? Uh, I don't know. I just remember the clip from The Daily Show where like Robert Loggia is the... the coach, and he just goes, we're gonna rip the fucking heads off and shut down their necks. It's like, dude, relax. Oh, yeah, one yeah. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. I just remember the clip. But it's like that's kind of the very roughness. Yeah, probably. 
I, I think I, it was unnecessary roughness. I want to see that though. I want to see. Uh, what's, you ever see blue chips with something but with uh, Scott Bakula? Yeah. <laughs> unnecessary roughness and Kathy Ireland's in it. I seen blue chips. Yeah, blue chips is free on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah, I almost, oh, wa- I almost watched it the other day. I just love watching that movie for seeing Nick Nolte go crazy in the locker room and. Like every time he walks in, like the the other like coach tries to calm everyone down. He's like, okay. Then Nick Nolte would just come back in and start again, and they just walk away like, ah, fuck. There he goes again. They're trying to be a Bobby Knight type guy. Yeah, yeah. There's another sports movie. Have you oh, seen uh, Warrior? Uh, yeah. It's about, it's about MMA. Yeah, with Nick Tom Nolte's Hardy and uh, fucking Uncle Owen from the Star Wars prequels. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I can't remember movie, his name. Uh, that movie kind of shows they hint at the one guy being a star wrestler and his dad being a complete piece of shit. Yeah. Like obsessive. And I've seen that parent too. So now that I'm a parent, I'm very, yeah. I'm lucky my dad was never like that. And there, I've seen these parents where they're, they're like banking on their kid to be their meal ticket. And yeah. They're obsessed. And if the kid does something wrong, it's like, you're running home now. I'm not giving you a ride. You're running home. And you're, and it's like, I'm gonna, what are you going to throw the kid in the closet if he strikes out like that? Yeah. So there are some movies when they show the psycho parent, like Bad News Bears. The, oh, the Walter yeah. Math on the seventies. That's a comedy, but they yeah. show that dad being a piece of shit to the kid. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like you there are these sad adults who are trying to live vicariously through their children. Oh, and that was actually something that happened in Fear Strikes Out. It's like the whole uh reason that uh I know that was totally inaccurate, Pierce Hall's dad, I know I keep going back to it. No, but it's because I just saw it last night, like again, and I haven't seen it in like years, so I didn't remember anything about it. He uh like he wanted to live out his dreams through his son and he wanted his son to be like the star baseball player and he was so strict with him like even as a kid like he like like he'd even be saying to him as a kid when he'd be sliding into first practicing his moves he'd be like they still want to tag you you know or if he like made it on the red Sox, you know he was so up on himself about being on the uh, infield instead of the outfield, which is always what he trained for, and his father like begged him to do it. It was basically about how a parent can fuck up your kid's mind just by like pushing their dreams on you. And although like yes, it's that's not what happened in yeah. real life. Like it made for an emotional core where I think fiction sort of finds a greater. It might have. Maybe he was. Maybe he was. Maybe after he saw the movie, he thought. Oh, you know, my dad wasn't that bad a guy, yeah. you know? He really, there was, he wanted the best for me, and that's the only way he knew how. Like, the movie Whiplash has mm. got a lot of sports mentality that... Or, yeah, or, it or is. At least, like, no, let, 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 let me rephrase it real yeah. quick. The mentality that people contribute to yeah. sports. Yeah. But it, it exists in a lot of other places in life. People always just say, oh, that's sports, and you make... That, the people who don't like sports use it as a way to dismiss sports, but we saw it in the music movie Whiplash. Yeah, the good job scene speaks so truly... Like, I think people can connect to that, where, where you can really kind of, it's sort of like the Joker in the Dark Knight, where you're like, oh, fuck, he's kind of right. Yeah, you know? it's like you're where, a villain, but you're making a little bit of sense. But yeah. here's, where, here's where I disagreed with that premise yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Or not premise, but I agree with him. It's like, yeah. the worst thing you can say is, good job, because it's like, yeah. all right, you feel good, you think it might not motivate you. Yeah. But he keeps going back to the one drummer, I don't know who it was, some famous drummer, where he talked about his teacher threw yeah. a cymbal at him. Yeah. And to, to to motivate him, that's how crazy. His and and he was. ended up becoming like the becoming greatest like the Buddy jazz Rich, I think player it was, of like the time. greatest jazz drummer ever. Yeah. And then they talk about it, like, yeah, you know, it's great, you know. And then I think to myself, if he doesn't duck, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> they even joke when he, could, he almost decapitated him. People forget though, if you throw something at someone, yeah. if your way of motivation is I'm gonna take this baseball bat and hit you in the head with it, that'll get you to fucking work harder. Yeah. Well, what if you knock the person out, you fucking idiot? Yeah. What if you're bleeding out of the head? You know what I mean? That's that's not gonna get you to do any better. And some either. people don't need so that for motivation. Some people don't. Yeah, it goes person by person. So I'm. A, I agree. I agree with the whole idea of like good job. Like. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? You could say, hey, you're getting better, but that's not good enough. And I know yeah. you can be better. Yeah. That's how you can motivate someone. Because if you throw a symbol at someone and they miss, <laughs> trust me, they're not showing up to fucking lessons the next day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so that part Well, that's because they're not strong enough then. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. and I, I love the movie, and, yeah. and Simmons definitely deserved the Oscar for his role in Whiplash. Yeah. But I just remember the death, because I hated him. So and that's why you know he was good. Thanks to my childhood, I remembered him from us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. man. It comes back. I remember him from Malcolm the Middle more so than I. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he was in, he's, got, he's got range as an actor. Yeah. Doesn't need to do commercials anymore, though, man. You got enough money. Come we, on, play it back yeah. up. I hate it when these guys. I love it when he got the Oscar and Neil Patrick Harris one. He got an Oscar. Bah, bah, oh, yeah, bah, bah, that was bah, good. Bah, bah. That was maybe the best part of that. Oscars. <laughs> um, anyway, though, but, like, yeah, the movie Whiplash definitely has a lot of the sports stuff to it with yeah. that regard. Because then at the end, and when he's drumming his ass off in, in every yeah. note and being amazing, you could tell they almost kind of share a smile like, all right, you got it. They had that little look in the end right before he hits the drums and they cut to black where he finally got his, um, what do you call it, like his acknowledgement. His, but his I think I think it was almost like he smiled yeah. at him thinking, all right, fair enough, but also fuck you. Yeah. There has to be a little bit of that because if they ever did a sequel to Whiplash, they wouldn't because why would you? Well, no, um, where'd there be to go? Like, exactly, there'd be nowhere to go. But if there was another scene of them 10 years later and they're buddies, I'd be like, respect each other but i don't know or maybe they yeah. could grow into friendship but because i loved it when he like came in and said i'll fucking bury you and he fucking hits the cymbal right at him be like, yeah fuck you, you piece of shit i'm gonna drum my ass off and fuck these other little musicians if they can't keep up with me that's yeah. on them you tried to fucking embarrass me you tried to embarrass me in front of my dad and all these people yeah fuck you dude yeah that's what made me get that's what made me love that movie yeah because i'm like i kind of like that when you see that attitude in someone yeah because that's yeah. that because he was walking out and you're thinking all right he's walking out he's leaving this and then he kind of turns around going nah I'm gonna yeah. go back in there and I'm gonna yeah. no, no, no one does me like that. Yeah, it was kind of a sports movie in a way when you think it was, about it. Because yeah. it was that sort of mentality. Like, it doesn't matter what the subject is, because you treat everything competitively like a sport. You know, like if you think of uh, Daniel Day Lewis's character in There Will Be Blood, you know, he said, I have a competition in me, I want no one else to succeed. I don't think he needed to spell out loud what his character's motivation was. Yeah. But I still love that scene because, in like a horrible way, I can kind of relate to it. Um, oh, there was uh, one movie I never saw that I'm ashamed for never seeing, and I just finally saw it was um, The Pride of the Yankees, you know, which. Uh, Lou Gehrig. Yeah, and that was sort of about how ALS was introduced on a national and international level, although it was founded in like the 1800s. And yeah, that's uh, all right. Is this just the lighting went out? It's all right. Yeah, like if you look back, if I look back at it now in today's context, like um, Pride of the Yankees is sort of like hero worship in a way. You know, where they make Luke Eric look like this perfect guy, and he probably had some flaws. And I'm sure he did. But, I don't yeah. really, you don't really hear too many because he kind of was overshadowed by Babe Ruth's flaws. Yeah, and he was person. in that movie. He was, was in Pride of the Yankees. Yeah, uh, as it himself. Have been. Yeah. yeah, and w which was fascinating to see. Um, and that that was a movie directed by. Uh, I'm gonna use my cheat sheet here and look at my notes, but I believe it was directed by Sam Wood, if I if I'm correct. Guilty pleasure movies. Let's talk about that. Samuel Goldwyn? Sam Wood, I was right, yeah. Sam Wood, sorry. And he was, uh, uh, no, you're good. <laughs> Samuel Goldwyn, I, I believe. He was the, yeah, producer. Uh, but no, he, he directed um, uh, two Oscar-nominated films before that, King's Row in 1942, uh, King Foil in 1940, and Goodbye, Mr. Chips in 1939. And I believe this movie came out in, fuck, I don't have the year, fuck it. All right. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, this guy was sort of a well-known director. Uh, they didn't originally want to do the film because um, 
the producer just thought baseball movies were box office poison, but then he saw Lou Gehrig's like actual speech that you know they use at the end. One of the most film. famous speeches. Yeah. I mean, obviously behind Martin Luther King and Kennedy, but it's definitely yeah, right, right, right. You know, <laughs> it's definitely one of the bigger speeches in American history. The yeah. today, today. I consider myself, consider myself, you know, yeah, yeah. The echo of the, the sound. Like the luckiest the man in the, the world, audience, yeah, you know? yeah. I guess it's just how speaker systems worked back then. There was just this echo ringing out. Well, there, I think it was makes it even cooler. It was like a today, reverb because you hear yeah. from his voice and then you kind of hear the yeah, distorted the, version. Which makes it cooler to me. I kind of like that. It puts, yeah. it puts you in that stadium with him. Yeah. Where he says, I consider myself the luckiest man yeah. on the face of the earth. And it's, it's cool as hell. I'm not sure if Gary Cooper won the Oscar for Best Actor for that or not. But I haven't seen that in a long time, but yeah. I definitely remember thinking he was great. Yeah. Being a great movie. You know, it's funny you mentioned ALS, and this isn't to yeah. downplay ALS. It's a serious yeah. disease. It's awful. It doesn't affect that many people. Because mm -hmm. I looked it up when the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge was going on a couple years ago. They pocketed a it's lot a of that very, money, too. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, charities. Yeah. People look into the charities you donate to, because a lot of them yeah. really are scam artists. Yeah. Um, the, it, it really affects, like... Such a small, like it's a fraction. Yeah. Of people like zero point zero zero zero. It's like really. Yeah. I'm not saying we still shouldn't be pouring money into it. Of course, yeah. we should pour money in every disease that affects even one person. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think if it didn't have Lou Gehrig attached to it, is my greater point. That's but what made it, really it so. The, that's the, what brought all the attention to it because a famous guy got exactly. It. it shows you what fame, fame could do. Yeah. Know, what what fame? How fame could bolster something. Yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah, the, the movie uh, was essentially a love story. You know, it was about Lou Gehrig and how he met his wife and stuff like that. And I wish there was a little more conflict in it. You know, I wish something happened rather than oh, look how great Lou Gehrig is and how much he loves his parents. And but you know, yeah, I guess storytelling was a little different back but, then. But you know, it, it it is effective once the he does. hero get, wasn't a thing. Yeah, I, I, but it was effective like once he actually gets the ALS and you know you see him like one scene that actually I thought was more striking than the famous speech was he's in the locker room with his former player, former, with his fellow players, and uh, they know like he's starting to, like something's wrong with him, because he randomly just like falls down, but then they just kind of like pretend to ignore it, because they don't want to alert him yeah. that they're aware of his physical ailment, and he just kind of like grabs the bench shaking, and. Uh, sitting back on it. And, I remember that scene yeah. and now that you bring it up I think maybe part of the hero worship you were alluding to yeah. with How Lou Gehrig was portrayed was because they probably wanted to build him up that way when you started to see the disease and what it does to your body Yeah, it hurts even more kind of like uh, It's an uh, I think what was so it's shocking an emotional core, you know, yeah, it's like here's yeah. this character that we all love You know and here they are you know, it's like, how could this happen to, like, the nicest guy in the world where he gets a disease? Like, if Lou Gehrig, like... It's like Christopher see... Reeves' situation. Yeah, this exactly. Superman. Superman. People, yeah. America saw him, that is Superman. Yeah. And then to see him where he was completely paralyzed, basically. Yeah. I think he just had use of his... I don't mean to do that, like, in a dick yeah. way, but, like... Oh, I did a whole, like... When I used to do stand-up, there was a joke I did that <laughs> wasn't very good about um, Superman. Where I said, like, Batman, like, when he got his back broken, he crawled out of a tunnel, like, in the middle of nowhere and saved the city. And when Superman broke his back, he wound up in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah, kryptonite. You know? Yeah, yeah. Kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, like, that was a bad joke. Uh, which is why I don't do stand-up. I'm not very funny. Um, so, oh, stop it. <laughs> but anyways, uh, 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 like, but the, the most interesting thing about that movie was uh, when I read sort of, like, about the ending... Like, in the end, he walks down the tunnel, sort of, like, into the abyss, like, into his own fate, right? 
It's kind of like this bleak ending. And what the producers originally wanted was that, you know, he embraces his wife, uh, who was played by, I believe her name was Teresa Wright. And she was also in The Best Years of Our Lives, which is like one of the greatest films of all time, in my opinion, greatest American films. Um, and, you know, he gives her like, you know, she gives him like a big, loving, impactful kiss. And, you know, uh, director Sam Wood's like, this bullshit, we're not going to do that. You know, yeah. and he had to fight for that ending. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably a little too neat, maybe. Yeah. You know? It's like, no, having him walk out into the light like he's kind of walking through the gates of heaven in a way. Yeah. Or it could be, like, to his own death. But yeah. either way you interpret it, that's much more impactful. Because endings that sort of have, like, even if you know what the interpretation is. They don't all need to be wrapped is, up into a bow. Yeah. Um, a, 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 sort, of like a, sort of like a visual metaphor yeah. uh, for something in the end that... Is open to your own interpretation. I, I find is uh, very a good interesting. Way to like that, if you yeah. look at being there, for instance, um, th th that sort of has an ending. And again, where Peter Sellers is all like all of a sudden walking on water, like he's Jesus. But there's nothing that alludes to him knowing more or anything or less about that. I don't know if you ever seen that movie. But I know. I know of yeah. it. I can't picture. Yeah. I can picture Peter Sellers. Yeah. He. But, uh, it was sort of like a movie where he's just like this idiot who like grew up like in this abandoned home and he was sort of like shunned away not shunned away from society but like he hasn't had any connection to society outside of his own personal world and so he kind of winds up in all these funny situations where <coughs> he winds up on the own political stage and stuff like that and nobody like you know like he's just this guy yeah he's a forest gump yeah just his but whole I, life like, goes through the greatest parts of history yeah yeah <laughs> But uh, let's see. I don't know if there's any other movies. I guess my favorite film of all time. I don't know if I should end sports on this movie? or not. Yeah, but it's my favorite movie of all time. Is actually a sports movie, uh, and that was uh, Raging Bull. Yeah, and yeah, that, you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, when we talked, you mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was uh, texting you when I got off of uh, set at the vineyard I was filming at, and I always liked Raging Bull because it's a movie that sort of stumbled across beauty inadvertently and it's a film that that shows a character for the monster that he is but we feel a certain amount of relatability and empathy through him through the uh, movie's mise-en-scene like sort of like through its style through its filmic language where you're hearing uh this old score by Miscogny in the beginning and throughout the film where when De Niro's sort of doing his training, you know what movie I saw on the time where I was like, da, yeah, 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 yeah. and it's sort of like, it's this movie about a man who's trapped within his own animalistic instincts, and he's trying to break free of that, but his own environment won't let him break free of it. And his, so you know, you you sell movies well, because I've seen Raging Bull, yeah. it's been a long time, but now I want to see it again. Yeah. Like now, can you put it on? Yeah. Let's <laughs> cut the podcast, let's, let's watch Raging Bull. I, uh, I, someone had brought Raging Bull up yeah. recently, and this probably annoys you because I can tell you're not only a movie buff. No, no, no. You're also right. like, you know, you're a movie historian. You're, you're, you know, not you're, really. You know, <laughs> it feels like you know a lot, lot of movies. Me, yeah. you're, you're, you're mentioning lead actresses in, from movies in the, from the 1940s, for God's sake. It's because I cheated and looked it up online. Either way, though, but I can tell you appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. um, I get a little annoyed right now with, yeah. look, there's a lot in society that I think, okay, cool, we're going down the right direction. That's good. Yeah. Let's change this. Let's, you know. But like... Someone brought up Raging Bull about how he was beating his wife in it and all that yeah. stuff. And I go, well, yeah, that was the character. I don't think they're celebrating domestic no, violence. They're not celebrating. And there's a lot of controversy I mean? about like, it, too, yeah. And then I remember like when Wolf of Wall Street came out, and people could have their problems with it. You could have your problems with anything. I remember people saying, like, 
oh, there wasn't any positive female representation. I go, hey, because those guys were scumbags. It was yeah. based on a true story about a That's how they viewed scumbags. woman like, in the movie, that and the like, movie took oh, it from their viewpoint. Those guys aren't yeah. the heroes in that. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a few people who go, yeah. oh, it wouldn't be cool to be on a boat and smack some waitresses' ass. Like, but that's, it would, be, it would be disingenuous to try to take a true story yeah. and make it not true just to reflect on a society that we wish existed when it didn't exist. Yeah. Because the, the same people who get upset when people pretend like the 1950s was some magical time when it really wasn't. You know? <laughs> yeah, so everyone you, you thinks those people like, doing that, but you're going to yeah. want to change the 80s to fit your narrative? Yeah. That's stupid. Like, so I got, I got a little annoyed when I saw people going there, there someone posted about red i can't remember who but you know if some of you scroll through facebook it becomes white noise after a while yeah you don't even know who's saying what anymore they're saying like raging bulls a misogynistic film that, that's what they were saying yeah. yeah and um and again i haven't seen it. it's been 15 years since i've watched that oh, movie okay yeah it's been a while i, I remember watching it maybe i think it's like i'm 33 Amazon, i think yeah. i saw it when i was like yeah. nine maybe 10 years ago i saw it 10 yeah. early 20s i can't remember and uh and yeah i think th I, I, there's a People can understand, like, look, there are bad people out there. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, you have to, there's still, like, I, I watch TV shows where there's, there's horrible shit going on. Yeah. And, and like, they weren't, they were showing, you have to show both sides of a person um, to show, you have to show some flaws in them. Yeah. Um, you don't have to, but I think what that movie was trying to do was the challenge. It made that movie so great. Mm -hmm. The harder the story. Like, if you could, yeah. that's why, I don't know how you felt about this, but a couple years ago when... Um, when Spotlight won Best Picture, yeah. I disagreed with that. I thought yeah, it was a great movie. I did too. <laughs> I, thought, I thought The Big Short should have won. Everyone loves Spotlight. Yeah, yeah, Spotlight. Uh, I am not a co-op, but uh, <laughs> you know, Boston accent. Um, look, it was a good movie, but Spotlight, to, I already knew the story, yeah. basically. The priest rape thing, it's terrible. It's awful. It's been, yeah. going on, it's been going around for a long time. So this movie showed me a story I already knew. Yeah. I mean, they showed me how they got them. But that, at the end of that movie, I hated child molesters. I already hated them. Yeah. At the end of the big short, I hated the whole capitalistic system yeah. <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> and that was more challenging. Yeah. So the Raging Bull, they challenge you to still find the humanity in this guy that you're watching be a exactly. huge piece of shit. So exactly. That's where exactly. But the, the thing I loved about Raging Bull, but yeah, the thing that you pointed out is like, there's an empathy to that character, but it's not spelling it out. When uh, he has the moment where he embraces his brother again, and he and you know he's hugging him and stuff, he's not crying, he's not saying I'm yeah. sorry, he's not saying I love you. He's still trapped within his own male masculinity, and that film was actually a film about toxic masculinity, and it was sort of about this evil We're victims too. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was about this evil like it's about this sort of horrible side that men have to to themselves when it relates to trying to prove that they're stronger than others yes and when they're trying to prove that you know that they they can't be wussies and all that and it it was sort of a film that was about that and it was spelled beautifully you know through the black and white cinematography through the usage of Muscogny's music you know through sort of a lot of the absence of sound you know it, that's how it all sort of came about, and that's what was so gorgeous about it. And it's a movie where you had to really analyze it and see the character and connect with it to understand it. Because you could just look at it outwardly and just go, well, he's just an asshole, and he's swearing at everyone, beating the shit out of him. Well, yeah, I think what yeah. people are doing nowadays and everyone is, you know, I think it's, it's good to have a, slight in, yeah. uh, a heightened sense yeah. of awareness. Yeah. Uh, but it's so, there's a phoniness to me yeah. personally about, okay, we see it now. People go through people's yeah. old tweets. You know? Oh, someone oh, just God. got a big job. I remember when um, 
Trevor Noah got hired at the Daily Show. People went through tweets from eight years ago and goes, look what he wrote eight years ago. Isn't he terrible? Let's put oh, him yeah. down. They're trying to and fucking now, James Gunn him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, they, well, they could say about James Gunn, they tried to Trevor Noah him because Trevor Noah was first. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's other been people too. But so now that that same mindset is like, all right, where could I, where could I else could I shine a light on something? So now people are going back to movies from 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. To say, look what they did wrong here. Look what they did wrong look how, there. Like you could look at shit in Pride of the Yankees and say how that's racist. But like back then, everyone was fucking racist, you know? Well, they're trying to like, there are, there are books now. Like Huckleberry Finn, they're trying to get rid of oh, like, God. like there's stuff like. They don't read that to kids because the amount of. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, yeah like, oh, it's just. I get like um, I don't like that that sense of rewriting history. Yeah. You want to take down statues of evil, tr uh, treasonous Confederate generals? Yeah, yeah. For that, they shouldn't get a that's statue. That's fine because that's like a celebratory sort of thing they're doing yeah, to them. I it's like, oh, it's not celebratory. We're acknowledging your history. No, you're celebrating. No, you're celebrating. Yeah. yeah. I support that. Take those yeah. fucking statues down. There's no there's no Nazi statues in Germany. They tried to hide. Yeah. They, they're ashamed of that. We should be ashamed too. But guess what? You could still learn about that history in books. If all of a sudden people were saying we should just remove yeah. those pages from books, then I'd say fuck you. I got a problem yeah. because you can't do that. And and if you you got to look at these movies in context of their time and things like that. And I think it's just this whole mindset of if a movie came out, if that movie came out today, yeah. people would be freaking out. Where it's like, no, you're not. You're you're seeing, but you're not like watching. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't know how to say it with your eyes, but. You're hearing, but you're not listening. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. something like to that. People will hear a word they don't like, yeah. and they get like, ooh, no, 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 but they're not listening to the context in yeah. which you're talking. Right. Like, as a comedian, I'll have that where I'll bring up a subject. I, I heard this happen one time in the yeah. crowd. I brought up a subject, yeah. and someone said no. Like, they didn't want me to talk about the subject. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck I'm going to say. I can say everything you want me to say. I can be on your side 100%, yeah. but you're saying no before I get the chance. Exactly. And that's where I think people are like, I don't like the bit. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, but no, it's no, everyone weird, wants, it, we're living in a, a very time, strange, a strange time. It's a strange time because now I think there's a lot of marginalized voices who are speaking up for the first time, which is but great. They but don't want to hear what anyone else has to say. That could be it. You but know? you know what's funny? Yeah. I find it's not, well, I mean, it is, I get, yeah, they're marginalized too, but I think it's just very emotional and a lot of anger is coming out where. I would feel that same amount of anger, but like, I think we, we were talking about on your podcast where you said like, you can't just tell people shut the fuck up and listen to me now. No, you can't tell people work. to shut the fuck people up don't because listen. they're not going to listen then. People don't listen. Yeah. Um, if, if you say, hey, fuck you, let me tell you where I'm wrong, I'm going to be like, yeah. okay. Yeah, like, I'm. The, you're not going to win people over with hate. You're going to win them over yeah. with love. Yeah. And that's what Raging Bull had. It was, it, it, there was love inside of it. It just didn't spell it out and say it outwardly. Yes. Yeah. Love's complicated. Yes, exactly. Anyways, there's Dude. plenty more movies I could talk about that I loved. I, I would have loved to talk about uh, uh, Happy Valley, which was a documentary about uh, the Penn State University. And Well, ooh. you know what, man? Yeah. We know each other. Yeah. We're, both in, we're both in the area. I could come back on again yeah. another time. So we could can, can continue we this. We could do a part two with Joe Kilgallen. Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah, Having man, a Kilgallen's um, pub. Yeah. I, I'll say this, though. I yeah. do not consider myself a movie buff. Yeah. Uh, I love, I, I enjoy movies a lot. But anybody can movie. enjoy movies and anybody can have them. I mean, you, you said one of the best points about Raging Bull I've not heard any of my other film buff friends say. So there you go. Okay, anybody good. can be knowledgeable well, about Well, I was films. gonna say this about myself. Yeah. Now, I don't go see movies as often, yeah. but the thing about me is when I love a movie, I, yeah. I love it. Like, I yeah. will get into every aspect of that movie. Like, yeah. I, the things I'm into, I obsess about. That's just like yeah. my personality right there. Yeah. Uh, so even though I don't know 
I, I'm saying I bring that up because if you don't want to talk about sports movies, yeah. you could, or if you want to come have me back on during a you know yeah. Super Bowl time, we're talking yeah. about those movies. But like I could, you know, if I like if I like a movie, I'm gonna love the movie. Yeah. I'm not like there's not too many movies where I'm like oh, it was okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess there's a few, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I really. Or I, if you I, really hate a movie, it's great to figure out why you hate it. Because that too, I, I like actually wouldn't mind doing Sunday, that. You know? <laughs> That'd be a fun podcast to do. Let's, wh- why did we hate it? Like that, the, uh, oh, yeah. bring movies that we can't stand. Um, my last point, just what I wanted yeah, to yeah. say it like an actual human being here. Yeah. God damn, I get tongue tied sometimes, you know? <laughs> I, um, I'm not obsessed with movies. Yeah. But the movies I love, I get obsessed with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, uh, I, I think of it that way. Uh, there's a lot of times where I know I could watch a classic movie I've never seen in my life, but I'm like, I'd rather just watch this film. Yeah, I'm see, I don't, <laughs> I'm not that adventurous where, yeah. I'm not that like, if I'm, if I'm, yeah. I'll go watch, if a movie's out in the theaters, I'll go see it obviously because I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm at home flipping through Netflix and unless it's a movie that's been recommended a lot, I, nine times out of 10 when I'm picking a movie to watch at home, it's a movie I've already seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which like is if bad you're, if you're going through horizon. Netflix, there's like, here's Batman 1989 on the left, and then here's Gone with the Wind on the right. You're probably going to see Batman, like, yes, to be honest. Yes. You know. Um, but with some new movies, I'll be like, I haven't yeah. seen that, I've heard about it. But shit, man. Yeah. I didn't realize, ooh, Blades of Saddle? Ooh, I've yeah, seen yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. I've seen it a few times, but I'm going to see it a sixth time, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that about does it. Thank you so much for coming on, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we'll Great talk podcast. about yeah. Check out uh, Kilgallen's Pub and then Comedians Talking Baseball. Comedians Talking Baseball, Kilgallen's Pub. Yeah. You can go to JoeKilgallen.com and both of them. They're on iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, Links will be in the description and uh, also like in the little box up here or here or I don't know where. I like that. Like, are you doing that thing that those YouTubers do? Yeah. Ooh, like, subscribe ooh, right here. Where's it going to be? I got to look at Get the camera. The I keep looking at the monitor instead. Right. Me too. Hey, let's <laughs> system going here. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> thanks, guys.